welcome to Reworked, the podcast about our working lives. For many of us, the work we do defines our place in the world. Increasingly, we are looking for meaningful work, which is aligned to our personal values and beliefs. And we want to feel proud and positive about the relationships we build and the services we deliver. How high are your standards? Are you known among your team for being the person who attends to the detail? Do small grammatical errors in your company reports jump out at you? Does even a small amount of disorder stress you out? Yes, you might need to feel on top of the job, but does everything we do at work need to be quite so, well, perfect? This week, for episode 7 of Reworked, I sat down for a chat with Manchester Business School's Head of Executive Education, Jane Crumbleholm. Jane has observed leaders over many years, and she thinks there's a lot we can learn from accepting a degree of anti-perfectionism at work. A mode of being which she has coined just good enough. So Jane Crumbleholm, thank you so much for joining the Reworked podcast. Um, I know you, we know you through EW Group and the work that we've done um, at Stockport NHS Clinical Commissioning Group over the last few years, where you are chair of of the board. Um, Could you tell us, because that isn't your day job. That's not my actual job. That's not your actual job. I have a real job as well. So, great. Can you um, maybe just start by telling us a little bit about your real job, which is very, very interesting. So, my real job um, (laughs) is the Head of Executive Education at Alliance Manchester Business School, which um, is the oldest business school in the UK and the largest business school in the UK. So, it's a fairly... um, um, interesting and and a brilliant job actually it's a brilliant job so for those no one ever knows what executive education mm. is it's a bit like no one ever knows what a CCG is so, um, but executive education is all the management development programs you all know this because you're in this business but lots of other people don't yeah. so it's all the management development programs mm-hmm. that we run in the UK and around the world and I um, head up that department okay so that's my actual job Great. And when you say it's the biggest, is that in terms of numbers of students? Numbers or? of students, um, probably not, maybe turnover as well, but certainly in terms of number of students and staff, it's got over 500 um, academics and um, programme managers and, and researchers. So it's a, a large um, business school um, by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. And although it's the oldest in the UK, the schools in the States are older. It's mm-hmm. one of the areas where... Um, mm. You know, um, uh, management and business education came to the States um, before it came to the UK. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? And so um, lots of, well, hundreds of um, managers and leaders and people on their leadership journey are coming through your doors every year. um, From different levels and different cultures. Um, We work in the Middle East, we work in Singapore, we work in... Um, the States, um, we work in Hong Kong, we work in China, um, I've currently got a programme running in Boston, so I can tell you the weather in Boston at the moment is horrendous, um, so it is one of the, you, it's a privilege, and um, you also get, I also get to work with many of the biggest, you know, recognisable brands, yeah. that kind of, it's like a secret world where you can see, you lift up the lid and you see... Whether it's a shiny mm. underneath it as it is on the top, no yeah. one's ever a shiny underneath it as it is on the top. I can tell you that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so, over the time that you've been at the Alliance Manchester Business School, um, you must have observed so many different types of leader and leadership habits, and 
I think, well, would you agree with it? this statement that actually it seems to be harder than ever to be a leader these days when you're you're asked to be all of these different things empathetic authentic inclusive um all all of these um adjectives but is it is it more difficult now to be a leader i think there's a lot more it's a really interesting question um I don't know if it's any harder. I think there are greater expectations and more awareness of leading and, and um, what what authentic leadership looks and feels like. Um, of course, the point f- about authentic leadership is it needs to be authentic. So yeah. reading every single book you've ever had and trying to be like that, mm. um, just people can see through it really quickly. Um, but I do think there's an awful, an awful lot about leading. Um, in the in the literature, in the press, in all the programs, and people overanalyze it, um, over worry about it, um, and and kind of almost forget that it's a it's it's a bit of what you do in a, in your workplace. It's not enough to walk around leading. Mm. <laughs> you kind of have to do mm. something as well sometimes. So, mm. um, it, despite the many years of working in leadership development, I've got quite um, almost strong views about it being over um, not overrated, it's incredibly important to work for someone and with people who are strong and and have strong value sets Um, but it should feel a bit more comfortable and natural and just being Mm. than it seems to be at the moment It, it seems to be you don't need to lead you need to be seen to be Mm. And those are two different things to me. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. And I know you've got some thoughts. One of the main reasons we wanted to get together and talk is because uh, we had an email exchange, didn't we? And we talked a little bit about, um, well, I'll let you introduce it, but a topic of of leadership, that a new slant on leadership, let's say, that I hadn't really thought of before, that I think will resonate for everybody who's listening to this podcast and is about authenticity as well, actually, but is about maybe um, a more relaxed take on leadership. Well, I think what you emailed me to see whether or not I could do this, and I said, absolutely not, I'm far too busy unless you want me to do something that isn't perfect and is about not being perfect in any single way and just good enough. Um, And you went, yeah, all right. (laughs) Because the time it takes to prepare for something Mm. like this, if um, if it's not something you can talk about easily, I just thought, I don't have time. Um, and when you said yes, I really thought to myself, actually, I um, I have become really conscious about not being perfect. I've become really conscious about that is good enough. Um, and I've done it really consciously as well so that pe- my team and people see mm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I thought about it a bit, and what was quite a, um, like a jokey comment, I actually thought, I would like to talk about that. I feel quite strongly, um, and and I'm going to say as a woman, I don't know, and a mother, and you know mm. that actually, um, just being good enough is is fine. Mm. It's fine. Mm. I've done all right. You know, you can you can do. Just good enough is all right. Stop mm. trying to be perfect. When you're dealing with all of these types of pressures that we've just cantered over as a leader, whether you're a man or a woman, um, if you're busy trying to be all of these things that you think a leader should be. Surely it is, it is impacting your ability to, to be creative and innovative and spontaneous. Are those are those, like, sort of like the natural enemies of perfectionism? Um, 
think spontaneity is. I think the idea that somehow there's a um, there's a model, and if you can just get the model right, you will be a perfect leader. Um, do, and it takes quite a lot of. You need to know yourself. So I suppose it's a, if not a question about seniority, because it's very easy to say I'm not going to be perfect when you're the chair of an organisation. It does give a lot more freedom in positionally than. Mm. Maybe um, if you're not quite so senior, but um, there's a certain level of, of of experience or confidence that comes with not being perfect, um, because you you have to then um, you can be more authentic, but you you're not following a model, mm. um, and that does um, you know you make yourself quite vulnerable. I think sometimes you've got to. Um, but you can't, you know, whatever people say about you, you can't, you can't control that. Can you? you can mm. Mm. control what you do. Mm. So, um, have you seen other people actively employing this concept of anti-perfectionism? Um, what are we going to call it? <laughs> just good enoughness. Just good enoughness. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't, I have, I haven't seriously noticed it because I hadn't really thought about it till you sent me mm. the. Um, email and we had that exchange um, it was only then that it kind of this light bulb moment came that I have actively pursued that <laughs> over um, the last quite a few years actually but I know where it came from in my mind and it came from parenting books about a just good enough parent which I found a huge relief that gave me an excuse not to you know kind of almost um that the kids will be fine if you're not there all the time. The mm. kids, this, but it's all fine mm. as long as they're loved and fed. And you know, t- then actually, that just good enough parenting um, get freed me up. I think to be just a normal mm. parent because I did worry enormously when the kids were little about not being there and all those things that lots of parents worry about. I know when you've got a busy working life, um, and that revelation of just being good enough is is fine they turn out okay that mm. you know moving that into your professional life actually that also works it, it just good enough is fine in your professional mm. life no you know obviously not if you're a brain surgeon i'm not suggesting <laughs> or you're trying to send the first woman to mars or something but um for for most day-to-day things when you're writing something when you're um pulling something together when you're chairing a meeting or Mm. Um, you don't have to strive for perfection a hundred percent of the time to be to be valued, to be good at your job, to get get things done. You can you you know you can. That is, and I'm not saying not to give it because because it's being lazy or um, not giving it a hundred percent or something like that. But you can fit a lot more in and have a more interesting and intellectual time and life and, and do lots of different things if if you don't do everything to the nth degree. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a very liberating concept to sort of just feel like, well, I can let myself off the hook with this. Mm. Actually. It is actually, you're right. It is, it's, you know, um, I think you mentioned something about well-being at one point mm. when we talked, and that made me yeah. think as well because very strongly believe in the, um, kind of those well-being things around noticing and listening and... Um, having time and, you know, going for a walk and smelling mm-hmm. the roses and being part of a community, all those kind of things. And actually, 
giving yourself time to do those things and instead of thinking about what you're not doing but what it's enabled you to do I do think Mm. you know it does make a massive difference to how you Mm. approach life Mm. and the time you have to do things and I do think it makes you a more it allows you just to be you yeah so that's um, just good enough as an individual um, as an individual leader my mind is now just wandering over to how not just how good just good enough can help you be a better people manager because if you're a perfectionist as a people manager as a leader you, that can quite easily lead into micromanagement I would imagine yeah um, and I definitely the problem with this room where we're in at the moment which of course on a podcast you can't see is it feels quite confessional it does <laughs> but I'm not attempting to be uh, confessional but you know in the past I did have a problem with um, letting go you know when you've got responsibility for a lot of things and your name's on it if it all goes wrong then it does take um, a lot of um, I wouldn't say courage but you know you get, I used to get mm. quite anxious um, both in terms of the business school but also when you when you I chair an NHS organisation I was vice chair of a previous one for a long time it's a really serious business it mm. really matters um, and to to take responsibility for things and not know them to the nth degree, I really struggled with that, especially when I first became an executive director. Um, but actually, to let things go um, and to allow other people the space to make mistakes or to just to get to the right outcome, but just do it differently than you do it, um, is is um, is quite liberating, and the example I give you of responsibility, not in the NHS but in the in the business school, I've always had responsibility for quite large budgets, which I used to know to the penny, um, and almost used to personally track everything through. I've got a team of accountants. I don't know why I used to do that, um, but now I don't. I kind of think I've, we've got professional people. Mm. It's there. They will tell me if I need to worry. And if I if they don't tell me, I don't need to worry. Um, and the huge relief, almost mentally, that comes from from that for me. But also, imagine how brilliant it is for them mm. <laughs> that mm. actually they're just allowed to do the job that they're employed to do, that they're brilliant at doing. And um, you know, I'll occasionally go, not quite sure about that, or can we? But yeah, so I do think yeah. it does free up. Um, ability, capacity, and, and for me, it's it's been um, liberating. So it helps create an environment of trust. It enables people to um, to shine. Yep. I guess there's a clear link here. We've talked a little bit about well-being, but there's a very strong link, as there always is, to uh, inclusion mm-hmm. here. And if you let letting people, giving people enough room to make you know give them the license to make mistakes um equally to prove themselves i think i've um also very firmly believe that um i've learned most of the things i've learned through the mistakes that i've made and someone somewhere let me make those mistakes Mm. and i don't know whether they did it consciously or or not um but i've never felt um 
um, vilified for the mistakes that I've made. I've always felt supported and, you know, you kind of worst critic is yourself. That is actually quite a... Mm. Um, I've been very lucky in that and, I, and um, it's nice to think that at least with my current management and leadership style I can allow other people the space to do that. Yeah. So um, I'm going to put you on the spot now because obviously you haven't prepared because that would be flying in the face of everything that we're Although talking about. Although I did about. check whether or not not preparing <laughs> was all right or whether you needed me to prepare something. So, um, so I'll help you with this. But I'm just wondering whether we can come up with the top three tips for living and breathing some of this um, just good enough. What would be three things that you could do that people could just start doing? Well, I think the first thing is, I would say is you have to give yourself permission. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the moment I gave myself permission not to be a perfect parent and the moment I gave myself permission not to be a perfect um, leader or manager, and I still do that almost every day, almost every day, I think to myself, I could... I should have done it, like, oh, I was just going to and he just, no, it's fine, it's fine, don't go and over. Was it good enough? Yes, it was good enough. It was good enough, and, um, and, yeah, so the first thing I'd say probably uh, is to give yourself permission, and then wait a bit, see if it works for you, because (laughs) it might not. Give yourself permission, wait a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then try, you know, don't... I guess it's finding an opportunity to put some of this into practice. Yeah. What's the next thing that comes up when you can kind of ease back from this a little bit? And it's kind of like pulling back and, and reframing any situation, isn't it? And saying, well, actually, I don't. Yes, I could spend another day on the detail of this, but actually, is it necessary? Will it be good enough? Yeah, and and actually, those are the those are the things that release the time. So I'm in the midst of writing an accreditation report. I hadn't left myself enough time, but I, which it actually isn't like me. I normally do, um, but even if I had, um, I'd probably now send in what I sent in because it was good enough. Actually, mm. <laughs> it was fine. Mm. And then just see what how you feel and, and what comes back. I don't want to give the impression that I don't. You know, you're not somehow. There's some slapdash. We don't think. I'm that. No, it's not slapdash, <laughs> but it is the the tendency to over complicate things or mm. to to somehow think an uh, another read through and another this or another, and then it'll be absolutely perfect. It it drains energy and time. Mm. Um, so it's it's those kind of things I've come to the conclusion, um, and also the. Um, what it says to your team. Certainly, I think really carefully about what it says to the people around me, yeah. around what it takes to become the head of department or the chair of a, particularly the chair. Mm-hmm. I was really um, conscious when I became chair. There's not many female chairs in the NHS, um, and certainly not many female chairs of CCGs. Um, and I always remember one of my um, exec assistants many years ago, after she'd had a baby, said to me, I could never do what you do because, and I hate that phrase, I hate it, because of course you can, you know. So I very consciously um, am not perfect, and I'm, mm. I mean, any way, I'm not mm. perfect, but um, but very consciously so that people can see. Yeah. Because anyone can do this. Yeah. 
and you know I come from a, a perfectly normal working class background in the north of England and I never thought people like me could do this but mm. I really believe if you can see it you can be it mm. um, and I would at least like the people around me to see anyone can do this mm. and she can do it so amazing so I've got on our three point plan number one give yourself permission yes number two have a go find an opportunity yep to model this to the others around you mm. and number three take the time to notice the impact it has on other people and yourself and yourself because it may be um, that you've chosen the wrong um, thing not to yeah. be quite so perfect yeah. about well, it yes. that, um, and it expects some anxiety you yeah. know I'm um, I've, on reflection when we agreed this topic and I've thought back it's probably been six or seven years of mm. of a level of comfort in it's good enough sure letting go is not easy no. for anybody um, we kind of emotionally attach ourselves to tasks don't we and mm. And your reputation, you know, if you've worked very hard, your professional reputation is very yeah. important to yeah. you. And, um, and like I say, I think, I don't think, it, maybe it's not a coincidence that being, I felt being a chair is quite a liberating place to be not perfect from because mm. um, of the position authority. So it may be tied in timing-wise to that as well, um, or just getting busier. But um, if you've chosen the wrong thing not to... Mm. To be not quite not so perfect and um, <laughs> try try again, I'd say, not rather than think. I love this model. It's fantastic. Are you, yes. Are you going to start teaching this at the Alliance Business School as one of your core modules? That's well, what I want to know. The the downside of working in an academic institution is you get slightly obsessed with the evidence. So right. Well, I have no evidence for this. I just know that it works for me. It's a research project um, waiting so, to happen. Yes. Maybe in a few years' time, if we'd researched it properly and I've got an evidence base, I might teach it. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jane, for, for sharing those thoughts. It was really, really great, um, especially for coming here on the hottest day, the hottest April day since 1946, mm -hmm. apparently, where we're all melting. Um, really appreciate it. I know you've got to get on, so thanks very much. And um, let's stay in touch and um, share the learning about Just Good Enough. Well, you can tell me all about it if you start implementing it. I'm going to. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode of Reworked. The Reworked podcast is a fortnightly programme and it's produced by diversity consultancy EW Group. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a review on the homepage or better still, subscribe and then you can keep up to date with all future episodes. I've been your host, Rachel Wilson, and you can find me on Twitter at RAO Wilson and at the EW Group. Join us next time for more Reworked. <laughs>